Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We're about to get into a 2022 CFL draft recap, but before I bring Nate on to cover the highlights we found from the draft, I just wanted to cover a few things. As many of you may know, because you might have been tuning in, and you may have just known from previous years, we were doing our traditional three years now running IG Live, Instagram Live coverage of the draft this year you may have seen me all nice in the turtleneck and the blazer I was looking sharp and we were doing our thing we had some great guests on and around 10 o'clock which is oddly the same time the TSN broadcast of the actual draft uh, shut down as well or you know when they ended the program with plenty of rounds remaining our uh, both uh, Dakota and I, Dakota sort of being my man in the chair at the time monitoring folks that were coming on and such um both got kicked off our IG. We've reached out to Instagram and to Facebook. We have gotten very little to, frankly, no response or help whatsoever from them. And we're not really sure what to do right now. For now, we're still going to keep rolling with uh, today's pod, uh, which was a little later than we would have liked to. I'll admit this has been a bit of a a frazzling experience because uh, if you're listening to this, you've no doubt been following us for some time and we've put a lot of hard work and effort into what we do, not only on the podcast, but on our social medias too. And IG perhaps um, more than any other. And that's where we engage most with the players. And um, yeah, so right now we're a bit bit at a bit of a loss and uh, hopefully they'll come through. If uh, anyone wants to lend some support with, uh, I don't know, hashtag free at the 55 or whatever, maybe we can get that going. Um, But yeah, it's a little unfortunate, but you know, I'm a positive person. I'm going to stay positive that this will get figured out so we can keep bringing you all the amazing content that we do and covering this league because, well, if we're not going to do it, uh, you might have to be stuck with the OUA's coverage of it. So let's hopefully get back on to our Instagram. Anyways, here is me and Nate recapping the 2022 CFL draft. See you on the other side of the intro. Okay, joining me all the way from Austria, we have the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, arguably, we'll get into this in a little bit, the greatest quarterback to ever wear number five in OUA history, according to Anthony Federico, Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs, how you doing, dude? Uh, I'm doing lovely. You know, it's it's good to be back. It's been, you know, at least a few months since I've uh, been, been on the mic, so uh feels good to kick the rust off, and uh, I'm glad we had a little trial run uh, before this one. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I was I was gonna, you know, pull the curtain back. Uh, anyways, you know, obviously we're doing our draft recap pod, and you're probably thinking if you're listening, like what that was like ten years ago. I mean, it's only really two weeks ago. Um, aside from the trouble we've been having on Instagram, that's kind of slowed down productions a little bit, trying to sort of figure that piece out. Uh, Nate and I did record uh, this very same podcast, or at least we had this conversation. I'll say uh, about five days ago. But uh, some idiot who does audio and technical uh, production for us, that would be me, uh, didn't record Nate. Um, so yeah, we're back at it again. And uh, the same, uh, I'll speaking only for myself, same bad takes, but uh, with a fresher voice. It's a, it's a beautiful Sunday here in London. I, I can see some of the light creeping in through your curtains there. It looks like a nice little afternoon you got going on in Austria. But let's jump into it. Format we're doing for this is we're going to go through our top five favorite picks from the draft. That could be for any reason, whether it's someone you think maybe will just have success, a guy you really enjoyed playing, and just five guys that we want to talk about. We'll throw in a few honorable mentions in the mix with that as well. And uh, then just, you know, trying to catch up on some of the other news going on in uh, around OUAU sports football. We're just going to 
comment real quickly on some of the uh, on the rosters from the East West game that was now a weekend ago. So we're really just catching up on uh, on recent events, is what we'll call that. So um, before we jump into our top fives, Nate, any general comments uh, on the the draft itself? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's always interesting to see kind of the draft and, and the coverage of it and everything like that. Uh, obviously, we always wish for more, but you kind of have to take what you're going to get. But I mean, in general, I think this, that was, um, you know, 60 out of 72 players drafted were, were Canadians or from Canada, the Canadian league, sorry, from U sports. And then obviously, you know, um, a bit of a trend away from, I guess, what kind of we're all used to over the years of having that first round be dominated by linemen and things like that. And then we get in the situation this year where we have a quarterback going in the first round uh, for the first time in, in over 40 years, um, we have a couple receivers in there as well. So, I mean, admittedly, I'm biased, Zach. Maybe you feel a bit differently. Maybe you feel it's a little more boring for you. But uh, for me, it's, it's a bit more exciting seeing some of those skill guys near the top. Well, for the short duration, I was doing our draft show on Instagram Live. And before the powers that be kicked us off or for God knows what reason, um, I had two offensive linemen come on the show with me. Our new uh, Anthem 55 family member, Tom Sterling, and former McMaster Marauder, current member of the Ottawa Red Blacks offensive lineman, Jacob Zott. So I got plenty of talking about the Hoggies, and uh, it'll probably surprise no one that I have one of the offensive linemen picked in my top five that we'll get into uh, as we go along. I think for me, one of the big things with this draft is that with the COVID year or the lost COVID year, I think one of the cool things was thinking about that we were going to be getting this double recruiting class, double senior class because of you know what Garrett Holmes did with the uh, CSSA um, or sorry, the CSAA. I'm pardon, apologies. I'm mixing up whatever the acronym is. The, 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 the student uh, athlete, um, the union body that he governed that was able to grant players that would have aged out um, even without playing in 2019 or pardon me, 2020, get that extra year. And so I think it was kind of interesting going to this draft with that in the back of our heads thinking that like, and we're going to talk about this when it comes to the East-West rosters where it's like some of the ages are kind of all over the place. But, you know, overall, it's a every year draft is just a celebration of all great things Canadian football and some awesome names that uh, let's spare no more time and let's start talking about who our favorite five were. So, Nate, I'll hand the floor to you. Who was your number five? Uh, I'm going to start really in sort of, uh, I guess, the uh, freak athlete category, let's say. Um, I'm, I'm going to start at number five with uh, Enoch Pelorea from McMaster. Uh, going to uh, my hometown, Argonauts, let's say. I'm throwing that in quotes. But, um, you know, just a guy who ultimately was one of the huge stars on – of the combine. I mean, if you follow any sort of, you know, Canadian football, social media or, or anything like that, you would have seen his name multiple times in both um, the regional combine and getting the invite to the national combine. So a guy that just really shot up draft boards, I think during the process and, you know, someone who at the very least um, will be able to contribute on special teams. And especially with having those athletic skills, you wonder what's going to happen when he gets into you know, a CFL uh, position room and things like that and how it'll develop over the years. So I think overall, a very, a very solid pick. Definitely. And, and as you mentioned, a guy who stood out at the combines and a guy who I feel like, uh, you know, I, I do this often where I'll be like, people don't talk about him enough. But like, if we talk about the people who would be talking about these athletes, it's like, it's pretty much just you and me. And then like, 
I don't know, maybe there's still some discussion boards out there. So I guess I'll put that one on me that we don't talk about a guy like Enoch enough. Obviously a bit of a, a rough year for Mac. I think a lot of disappointment for that team this year. But, you know, that defense has been pretty solid for the last couple of years, going back to that 2019 year. And he's been a big reason why. And, uh, you know, a couple other guys from that defense as well in this draft. But he no doubt is a main player in that. Enoch, yeah, great pick. And as you said, sort of the freak athlete category. Um, and, you know, sticking with guys who... Because I believe it was four guys that, at least from the Eastern Regional Combine, got the invite to the CFL Combine, the national that is, who then got drafted, lines up perfectly with my, oh, I'm shooting the gun. I was looking at my number four pick. Nonetheless, still ties in well. Speaking of standouts from the Ontario Eastern Regional Combine, I'm going with Daniel Amoka, defensive back from York. Um I, I don't remember all the testing numbers, but he was absolutely one of the studs from that draft. He ended up going in the fourth round, or probably eighth round, 70th pick to Calgary. And I really, I'm really picking him. I got to meet him after the, the combine. Really nice fella. Um, main reason I'm, I'm, I'm picking him, or one of the reasons, is to take this opportunity to get on my little soapbox here on our podcast and uh, to do something that we're not foreign to, which is to take a few shots at York, which is this. Um, you know, at the Eastern Regional Combine, York had the most players represented there. Now there's something to be said that the Westerns, Guelphs, Queens of the world may have had more players to sort of jump the gun and get the straight national combine invite. But nonetheless, still, shout out to York. She had the most players to this regional combine. Now, in my mind, um, as someone who overthinks everything, uh, I could picture someone at York using that to like as a recruiting tool. It's like, hey, we had a great year. We sent the most players this regional combine and, and Daniel Mocha getting drafted and all this stuff and like good stuff. Come to York. The TTC even comes out here now. You should come here too. But then my follow-up to this made-up conversation I'm having in my head as, you know, from someone from York or of someone from York is that, well, then why do you guys, why can't you guys win games? If you have all these talented players and these great athletes and great young men, then win a damn game, you know? And there's obviously a ton of stuff going on at York, so I don't want to, you know, uh, kick a kick the horse while it's down or whatever. I'm trying to think of a more vegan friendly way to sort of phrase that point. But you know, I don't know. Anyways, shout out Daniel Mocha. Uh, let's turn it back, make it about him. Um, great performance at that regional combine, and awesome to see his name get picked. Um, I'll hand the floor back to you. Any comments on that, or do you want to jump into number four? Well, I mean, just off the York point, I mean, you know, I, they're also like. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the few programs that can also have a name on an NFL active roster. That being Nicole yeah. Kalanick from 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 not from sorry in Indianapolis, um, playing for Colts at the moment. A guy from my generation. So, I mean, I feel like anyone who's played York over the years, you know, we're all familiar with the the level of athlete that's always kind of on that team, and we can only hope Zach that uh, they put it all together in the future. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Who do you got number four? Uh, number four, I'm kind of I'm stuck between two guys here, but I'm going to, you know, for the sake of, uh, I guess, switching teams, I'm going to go with um, Tyrell Ford at number four, um, going to the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And I just think like, you know, Maybe this is just a personal thing for me, but I feel like, you know, it's unfortunate that a guy of that talent, I mean, his brother is Trey Ford after all, and, you know, he's not playing the quarterback position. So sometimes, you know, maybe we forget about him a little bit or kind of 
maybe not forget about him, but forget like the level of talent that he has. And he was also a guy that received um, NFL camp offers and things like that. So undoubtedly spectacular athlete, you know, real quality player. And I mean, the success we've seen of Canadian DBs over the years, you know, going to the CFL and maybe not, you know, panning out at corner, but you see all these safeties that are playing now. And he just reminds me of, you know, one of those guys, whether it be Taylor Loeffler or Tunde Adeliki, that'll, that'll fit in there. No problem. Um, and even I'll, I'll even jump on your point from uh, our last conversation, but uh, just an outstanding return guy as well. Uh, so really like, I mean, I feel like just the guy you, it's very hard to kind of pick apart the pick in general or him, him as a player, just so solid. Yeah. And you know, I'm just kind of thinking like you mentioned, obviously the piece with obviously his brother, Trey garnering so much attention, not only into this draft, but then obviously leading up to it. And then of course, so with you know his brother, who of course they share the same surname, but then the number one overall pick who I was, thankfully able to interview before we got kicked off of Instagram. Um, Tyrell Richards, so a guy he shares his first name with, the standout linebacker from uh, from Syracuse going to Montreal, their first overall. So it's kind of like you got your brother who it's like when people are talking forwards, they're thinking Trey probably first and foremost. And then if you're thinking Tyrell's in the trap, people are probably thinking Tyrell Richards. But uh, no, I mean, it's been a pleasure to watch him play. And as you, as you said, I mean, he's so dangerous. I mean, I feel like we always make the the comment like you don't like, you know, death taxes and you don't kick to Clark Barnes, there's as good a point to be made about you don't kick to, Ty- to Tyrell uh, Ford. And, uh, you know, sometimes I almost feel like they would almost put him out. Like, almost back in the day when, like, Ed Reed wouldn't always return for the Ravens, but every now and then it's like, all right, hey, Ed, get out there. And, like, he, he, maybe he didn't return one for the whole year or he didn't, you know, whatever, but as soon as he gets that ball in his hands, so disgusting. So, love the pick. Um, yeah, shout out to both the Ford brothers and... Uh, It'll be no surprise for those of you listening that we will very likely be talking about the other uh, Ford brother coming up. Um, Coming in at number four for me, um, as I said, I got my numbers mixed up here originally, um, but much like with you had with Enoch, a standout from the Eastern Regional to then get the invite to the National and then get drafted. I'm going with uh, a member of my alma mater, uh, Jared Beeksma. Um, going from Guelph to Hamilton, that uh, Guelph-Hamilton connection, Guelph-Ticat connection specifically, has always been a strong pipeline there. And, you know, it's, you know, starting into our show, people were asking, like, who's my sleeper pick? And he was the guy. Um, obviously, a guy going from the regional, kind of by that nature, is going to be a little slept on because um, he, he were more touted. He probably got the straight invite. But it just it, it just keeps this you're talking about the pipeline Guelph to Thai Cats, but this like tradition of linebackers out of Guelph getting drafted. Spoke with AJ Allen, who of course got drafted by Saskatchewan, went back for his last year, was one of the best linebackers in the country. Now he's back with Saskatchewan. I got like Luke Coral getting drafted, Curtis Newton, uh John Rush way back. I mean, even Cam Walker, more of a defensive line body, but you know, so um, and much like I, I know we'll talk a little bit about some Laurier defensive guys too in the draft. I feel like Guelph's right up there as well with sending defensive players um, to the CFL. So, anyways, uh, Beeksma, I won't be surprised if we see him in the Griffin colors again next year. Um, go to a camp, get some reps, learn all that stuff, and come back. But much like AJ, he might be coming back with a vengeance and just be dominating the year I mean that was one of the fun things covering this year was the kind of like back and forth between like who's the best defender in Ontario is it AJ is it Federico is it Deontay Knight 
And uh, I feel like Beeksma could be putting his name in that ring for the 2022 season. So that's my number four pick, Jared Beeksma. Well, that's a good lead. And Zach, you mentioned my next guy. Uh, I'm sticking with, you know, maybe a little chalk, some people would say. Um, but another guy who who spent some time at an at a NFL minicamp, this one with the commanders, and that's Deontay Knight um, going to the Argos. And, you know, a guy that will slot in, you know, there's another Can- <clears throat> Canadian on the D-line. Uh, Robbie Smith out there in Toronto. I mean, just kind of, um, you know, the, uh, you know, Western student uh, newspaper organization had a great video um, of his experience at the mini camp. I'd recommend you guys all check that out. And there's even a little clip of Ron Rivera kind of talking about um, Deontay and just how much of a kind of a freak he is athletically. And that's kind of, you know, why the reason they brought him in there is just kind of that athleticism, the speed, the quickness. And that's something obviously that's going to translate very well to the CFL as well. Um, and just a guy that dominated overall, I think the whole year, it, it's, it was very hard to kind of look through the stats throughout the year and kind of see him not having an impact. That, so just, uh, you know, again, another outstanding guy. I mean, that's what we're doing is talking about outstanding guys, but um, yeah, I think the Argos get great value um, just coming out of the first round there by snagging him. You know, it was, it was two, so two quick things on Deontay. One is, you know, the, uh, talking with Deshaun Stevens from Persevere on on our draft thing. After, and it was right when uh, Deontay got picked. And he's kind of saying, that, like, oh, Deontay might have actually slipped a little bit because, as you mentioned, getting the invite with the commanders and all that. And I had to kind of, like, kind of not calm up and be like, but we're talking about him getting picked, like, 10th overall. So, like, we just got to think about that. If we're saying, well, yeah, you know, he slipped a little bit into the second round. It's like, you mean he slipped from what, like, three four five to ten like that to me that really drives on that point um also um just a quick little uh anecdote uh from the quarterfinal game this past year when western beat waterloo um and it was a tight first half but then western just did what western did and pulled away there was one play along the western sideline where Deontay chased trey out of bounds and it looked like maybe he gave him a shove and there was a little bit of them like you know beacon or whatever i was kind of like oh okay like i like this i like it. it's getting a little spicy and i asked trey about it at some point later and i think he kind of just like you know whether he remembered or not i think he just kind of put up to like ah you know just a little like you know shit talking or whatever but i remember asking Deontay about it at the national combine and i'm paraphrasing because i don't remember his exact where he was just said something to the effect of just like all right you know enjoy your last game in the OUA such that they were gonna knock him out and of course but that also speaks to the fact that he was like you're not coming back to the OUA next year but once again I won't I won't jump the gun on our our Trey Ford talk too much just yet um going from the defensive line uh side of things to the offensive line side of things I told you I would have a hoggy on my list I'm going with the number two pick overall in the draft um going to the Ottawa Red Blacks from the Ottawa GGs that's Zach Paleos left tackle and aside from just my you know quota of needing to talk about at least a offensive lineman for every 45 minutes of podcasting I do um, the big reason for this was because uh, me being an OUA football nerd I just have this vision of there's a possibility that you know you could see any number of these variations but let's say you know whether it's a few years down the line or whatever there could be an offensive line for the red blacks that touts Let's say Mr. Paleo's at left tackle. Jacob Zaw, who I mentioned already, former guard for McMaster at left guard for the Red Blacks. He's there right now. And then my former teammate, who actually just celebrated a birthday recently. Happy birthday, Andrew Pickett. Andrew Pickett at center for them. And so when I saw him get picked, that was just 
that was awesome. And uh, he's a guy as well when the first year doing this podcast with uh, big old Eddie Meredith, former offensive, you know, Eddie, but I mean, offensive lineman from Western played at Boston College a little bit, got drafted to Saskatchewan. Um, And that was when playoffs was in his first year. And uh, I remember Eddie being like, no, this guy is like, you can see already he's got all the tools and, uh, you know, he'll be getting his name called, which he did. And second overall, Um, you know, much like some people talk about, say, Eric Anderson at Western um, finishing up his first year there and being like, no, that guy is going to be like that next like offensive lineman from Western. But anyways, Zach Pleos going from the GGs to the Red Blacks, staying in Ottawa. I don't know if he's from the Ottawa region um, himself, but love seeing that pick. Um, any comments on, 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 on the big guys in front? <laughs> well, as a quarterback, you know, I'm legally obligated to say that I absolutely love uh, O-linemen and everything about them and that I'm looking very forward to, uh, you know, the new pod you're spinning out of the O-line diaries um, where you'll dive more into those topics with those guys, I'm sure. Um, but um, no, I think uh, and a cool thing I read about Pelhos, obviously, you know, very talented kid is kind of through down nation has these little uh, what they call it, insider talks articles and things like that. And just one you know, I guess they talked to the personnel people from the league, but they're just talking about how physical he was. And obviously the size is very imposing, but not, not often do you a guy that's willing to really quote unquote bang with guys like the way he is. So, um, you know, obviously a very solid pick and I'm sure they're very excited about him. All right, Nate, who you got number two? Number two, I'm going to, you know, cheat a little bit on the OUA, you know, my apologies. I know this is an OUA podcast, but it's for a special case. Um, I'm going to go with Jalen Philpott at number two uh, to the Calgary Stampeders. And simply because I don't know what it was, but it seemed like every single week this guy was finding his way onto my Instagram feed, whether it be the Explore page or someone else's story or otherwise. But just, you know, it seemed like week after week, just explosive play after explosive play. Um, and this guy's tape is really one of the best I think I've seen in terms of Canadian football um, over the years. I mean, obviously... You know, guys from from my generation, let's say we all remember sort of the Tavon Austin tape um, back in the day that was very famous. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say it was necessarily the Canadian equivalent of that, but uh, it's really stellar stuff. And um, I think he's a great fit out there in Calgary. And I'm really excited to see if uh, he's able to make some more of those explosive plays uh, with the Stamps. Yeah, definitely. And, and much like um, the guy we just talked about in playoffs, it's always nice to see the guy kind of staying in the city, in the area where he was playing his ball at. No doubt that's an advantage for those recruiters to be able to get a little more insight into him, especially, I mean, as you said, like, he's all over the Instagram feed. Like, everyone knows who, you know, if you didn't know who the Phil Pop brothers were, then, like, you were living under a rock, you know, in 2022. It's not like it was when, you know, say, we were going into university or, like, whatever, where you had to really, unless you were a true stud, which obviously he is but you know the exposure's out there but obviously having that local presence is obviously going to be good and uh yeah no that's i love i love the pick and uh i will uh i I believe we ruled a a three strike system for talking about non-oua guys on podcasts i think that i think that's only one for you so you're still in the clear Uh, my number two, I'm uh, I'm taking it back to Ontario, taking it to the Wilfrid Laurie Goldmocks. I'm going to talk about Tommy Springy Bringy, linebacker out of Laurier, picked fourth, probably in the fourth round, 36 overall, going to Saskatchewan. Um, I loved watching Tommy this year. He's 
you know, he's only listed at, at six feet, but that's why I kind of nicknamed him Springy because, like, he gets his hands in the passing lanes. He hits, like, an absolute Mack truck. And I'm going to read off a few more names from that Laurie defense. Um, for those who might remember, I was I was very bullish on Laurie this year, um, even with them losing their starting quarterback for a good chunk of time because I was just like, yeah, no, you, you make all the logical arguments in the world, and I'm obviously specifically referring to you, Nate, as the person I was interlocking with on those podcasts. But I just, if a de- if there was a defense that could single handedly win games, I'm like, it's these guys. But here's the funny thing: is that when I look back at the numbers, as far as yards given up per game, Laurie's defense was the second worst. So I guess I wasn't looking at the numbers. I was more just like working, operating with my heart. But like you mentioned, you know, mentioned Tommy obviously as sort of the leader of this defense. But then I got like Christian Huttercop and Shamari Hutchinson, Willamoa, and Ayo Ajayi, like guys who like turn the ball over, who will make interceptions, and when they, if they get the ball in their hand, they will you know do the best to, if not score, put their offense in a good position. So it was one of those things where I, was, I feel like I was really I was really vibing with that Laurier team like from the heart and just kind of like. I wasn't necessarily accepting what my eyes were seeing, but nonetheless, Tommy uh, Tommy was the the lifeblood of that defense, and you know I love the idea now that Saskatchewan. I'm no doubt forgetting a few a few guys, but you know, obviously they have a guy like AJ Allen in there, um, having a guy like Elaine Simonkinda there, and now getting Tommy just like some sick OUA talent on defense. I'm sure there's some other guys I just don't have at the front of my mind. The last thing I want to say before I pass over Tommy to you, because I know that you know Tommy was someone that you were high on with this draft. Going back to talking about how Guelph has this history of defensive guys getting drafted, I think Laurier probably is is the the crown jewel of that. So I'm just gonna read off some names, starting with the, going back to the 2021 draft. Uh, we had Alfred Green get drafted to BC. 2020 uh, defensive lineman Alfred Green. That is, in case you don't remember, 2020. Defensive lineman Sam Achenpong to Toronto. Linebackers, two linebackers, Brad Cowan, Tanner Cadwallader. Going to Ottawa and Winnipeg, respectfully. 2019, a guy you already mentioned, Robbie Smith. Defensive end going to Toronto, as well as Scott Hutter. Defensive back linebacker going to Edmonton. 2018, saw Godfrey Anyeka go to Edmonton. The year before that, Nakis Anyeka gets picked. And then 2016 was the last year a defensive player from Laurier didn't get picked. And then before that, we have guys like S.A. and Chris Aki getting picked up. Um, Aki, of course, who's still, you know, doing his thing in the CFL, I believe, last time I checked. So, I mean, Laurier, I mean, despite being a team that's very much been a, a disappointment for me as far as when you look at the talent they have on their team and then, you know, kind of being a, a middling team, missing playoffs uh, in a few of those years, uh, sort of since we've been doing the pod, you know the individual talent is 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 absolutely spectacular, and Tommy Brady is as good as anyone they've had there. So yeah, my number two pick there, Tommy Brady. Yeah, I mean you talk about that DNA, and I don't know what uh, Laurie and Coach Van Moore Kirk are putting in the water bottles over there, but obviously some real uh, real talented fellas coming out of that program um, over the years. And I mean, it, you know, you talk about sort of the stat with the you know, them having the second most yards allowed. But I just think, man, a couple of those performances, week one against York, I mean, York was a bit short-handed, but still obviously had an incredible number of turnovers, if I remember. And then most notably the Mac game where they just completely shut them down altogether. Um, I think that was sort of the game that really kind of sprung uh, your inspiration. And I think, I mean, how can you leave that game not being very inspired? Um, just running rampant on that Mac team. Um, but in general for, I mean, Maybe this isn't the time to go into Laurier talk, but, um, you know, I think it's really interesting, I guess, since sort of that class of, 
you know, Michael Neville, LaVondre, Gordon, Curly Gittins, those guys, once they kind of left, they kind of struggled to really replace that that productivity on offense. And I think that's one storyline for them that'll be, I guess, a factor yet again coming into this year with, again, some defensive guy, very talented guys still remaining on that team. And I have no doubt they'll still have a solid defense next year. So, 100%. And you mentioned that Mac game. I think, once again, just refusing to believe what my eyes were seeing. I just don't think I was willing to say on and we might have talked about it a bit but I don't think I was willing to admit that just Max offensive line and offensive line was <laughs> was really bad last year and they had some injuries and whatever but that probably had as big a factor as Lori you know they did have they do have playmakers um but yeah that definitely was the game where it's like oh my god is this the greatest defense that's ever stepped foot on OUA field um but yeah shout out to Tommy Springy Bringy uh before we jump into our number one pick uh, let's just take a time to throw out any honorable mentions that uh, guys that didn't quite make the cut that uh, you want to throw out. So who are you thinking about, Nate, that didn't make your top five? Yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, miss mentioning my Queens Gales. Um, having five, uh, I believe it was four or five guys drafted in the first round. Um, and just, I think, the highest number in quite some time for them, um, certainly since my years with the team. And, you know, sort of the last class or one of the last classes that uh, Coach Pat Shane put together. So, you know, put some respect on my guy's name, obviously. Uh, now the O-line coach at Guelph. So, you know, got to give love with the love's due. And um, obviously kind of, you know, we've all, uh, Queens have turned into sort of, uh, you know, the stars of Instagram over the past couple of years since Snyder came in. And obviously you see the recruiting classes <laughs> on CFC and whatnot. So shout out to Matt Nesbitt. It'll be uh <laughs> It'll be really fascinating to see if this is really the beginning of a trend uh, for the program to kind of get this number of guys in the draft. Um, and another guy, Josh Mosley, who got picked up by Calgary. So um, definitely a great note for the program. And another one I wanted to mention is uh, Nate Edwards from Mac going in the eighth round to Edmonton. And just, you know, we talk a lot about the DNA and Laurier and Guelph, but I think for Mac as well, that defense obviously has had a bit of a reputation over the years, I guess. It's just sort of that Western Ontario vibe um, that kind of goes on. But, um, you know, just an overall solid player, just someone that, like, I cannot see him not making the team overall. Or having a guy that you know should be able to contribute on special teams is pretty rare uh, to get down in the eighth round. So definitely a great value pick um, in my eyes, Zach. Yeah, and I'll, I'm going to – I don't know if you – did so intentionally to not actually mention his name in talking about your your Queens guys there. But the the two guys I wanted to talk about for my honorable mentions, and you already brought up Deontay's name, so I won't say more about him, but is Anthony Federico, um, a guy who, what I find so interesting about Anthony is that going back to 2019, I feel like a big story around, you know, the year he had was you got a monster like Cam Lawson in the middle who draws not just double teams but triple teams and then as another defensive lineman on that on that unit you're left like with one-on-ones no help and all that and so I mean Cam Lawson still beat those double teams and triple teams but I feel like that was a really cool thing seeing that you know that narrative if you will of like well how how good is Federico really how much of it was just on the back of what Lawson did and I don't think there is any doubt in the world that Federico is as good as he performed in 2019. All that was his ability because he performed better in 2021 without loss in there. Um, 
which is really saying something because Lawson's one of the best interior defensive linemen we've had since, you know, I mean, I think about a guy, you know, talking about contemporaries, I think about a guy like Daryl Wad from Western, you know, or, you know, a bunch of other names. We won't go do a full memory lane thing. But, yeah, Federico, um, what a stud he is. He is. He's got the size. He's got the speed, the athleticism. I think he used to play basketball, which explains a lot of just, like, how he is so explosive. And as I kind of set up in the intro, I had to put him on the spot talking to him at the combine. Uh, obviously, Trey Ford being the the bell of the ball, if you will, from the combine as far as OUA guys and just having to ask him. Because as you mentioned, this is uh, perhaps the last cohort of Queens Gales that you have a strong connection with who he thinks is the best number five to play in the OUA. And uh, he, of course, went with uh, with yourself, Nate Hobbs. So I don't know if you want to you know, take a moment to relish in that or, or what have you, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's a guy with his fair share of experience in a league and obviously played against, I'm sure, a great number of a great number of number fives, whether that be Trey Ford or Tommy Bringy or, you know, whoever else you want to throw in there. Um, but one thing you failed to mention about him, Zach, and sort of talking about um, his, uh, you know, attributes and everything that it's just he's an absolutely stand up guy, you know, great locker room guy, great guy to have around and just, uh you know, a great guy to have friends with. So I would just think, uh, you know, those Ticat guys, I'm sure are going to have a new friend in their midst very soon. And I'm not just, I would have said that if he did not say that about the number five comment. So just, <laughs> just to yeah, be clear. No, he should, someone, he, someone should put him on a Wheaties box. He is a very wholesome dude. Um, all right. That brings us to number one. Um, Nate, I, I mean, I'm letting you go first and this whole time, but I, I well, We've literally had this conversation already, and uh, I don't think there's any one individual we could sort of give the final words to as far as favorite picks from this 2022 draft without talking about this individual. But nonetheless, I will give you first bite the apple. I know we are locked in on this one. Favorite pick from the 2022 CFL draft. Yeah, I feel like I don't even need to say his name, but it's obviously Trey Ford. Um, without question. Uh, I mentioned this stat already earlier, but he's the first Canadian quarterback taking the first round of the draft in over uh, 40 years. You know, that's a stat I'm pulling from a three down nation article. So shout out those guys at shout out CFL.com. Just if you're looking for any more information, obviously we're, we're OUA guys, but they've got some great stuff as well. Of course, um, a little in-depth stuff about each of the teams as well, but I mean, getting back to Trey Ford, I mean, what more can you say? Uh, the guys had an outstanding career, um, just sort of came back from his mini camp experience with the Ravens. Um, and I think something to note is, is he kind of declined his second invite with the Giants, I believe, to get started with um, with the Edmonton Elks. So, I mean, just a guy who's obviously very committed to the Canadian game. And I think that's something you love to see. Um, and I'd be very curious to see what happens in sort of his development. I'm sure, like, I just can't remember seeing a quarterback in the CFL that's been that level of athlete um, and be, be able to outrun linebackers and DBs and the like of them. Um, so I'll be, I think it'll be really fascinating to see how he develops, but also how they plan to use him this year. Obviously, um, you know, those CFL coordinators can get very creative. And uh, I hope, I hope dearly to see uh, a highlight or two, at least for this season for Trey. Yeah, I mean, what can you say about Trey Ford that hasn't been said uh, a million times already? For me, and, and this connects with so many of these guys that we've talked about, um, something that's very like special and, and meaningful for me is these are guys who 
were in their firsts and second years when we first started doing this pod, or no, probably all in their first year, and really getting to see that development and not only see their games, but the conversations with them and 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 people that like in uh, you know in in a certain way, I feel like a certain close close knit uh, kinship to if only just through the pod and everything, getting to you know talk about them as much as we have and. Uh, there's been incredible athletes. There's been incredible football players of all positions, um, of from all teams that have come and gone throughout this time. Um, but there's only only there's only ever been, and there only ever will be one Trey Ford. And however his career goes, you know he just uh, he exudes excellence, and you know he's and there's always that you know like nervous energy with Trey uh, getting drafted of the like oh you know. They gonna turn him to a receiver. Are they gonna turn him to a DB? And the one person I know who's not gonna let that happen is is Trey. Uh, quite literally, not only because of his talent and the fact that like if he hasn't already proven it, a you just haven't been paying attention. But b he's not cocky, but he is very confident. I don't think you know. I think if a team wanted to do that to him, he's like, well, then I'm gonna find a team that is gonna make me let me play quarterback. And um, yeah, and, and I'm certain it'll be Edmonton because once again. Going back to that piece on, we're not in an age of sending out DVDs with highlight tapes or anything like that. You you know the name. All you gotta say is Trey. All you gotta say is, as we kind of joked about with at Tyrell's expense a little bit, you say Ford, right? We don't even our premier. It's the same name as our premier right now in Ontario, but you say Ford in these circles, you know we're talking about number five for Waterloo, a guy who rejuvenated one of the most a program that was perhaps in the dumps more than any team could be coming off of the steroid scandal. A guy who stayed local, a guy who somehow mystifyingly never got over 500, which is going to be like, you know, there's going to be like a, there should be like a 30 for 30 at ESPN style about like a Trey Ford and however many years from now. And I would no doubt be a big piece of it, but it's by no fault of his own that that came and passed. But yeah, Trey Ford just, constantly doing Trey Ford things uh things that no one else can do no one uh doing things that no one else has done and uh we'll see if there'll ever be another one like him so he has set the bar high for generations to come and um yeah shout out to Trey Ford it's been an absolute pleasure I can't wait to see where his career takes him from here yeah and I think you know you make a great point uh in referring back to the basement because I just I mean it's so like I find myself very guilty of this as well, but just, you know, saying how unfortunate it is that this guy has had this almost career, but you forget that kind of where this all started. And you think about Waterloo and where the program is today and how, you know, the reputation, I mean, like not to be rude or anything, but kind of when I came in the OUA, like they were considered an absolute joke, like without question. And you kind of get Bertoy in there and a guy like Trey Ford in there and, you know, there's absolutely no way that they would have the reputation they have today without that guy. And, you know, to know you changed the program like that um, is such an accomplishment. And I think, you know, something that it's easy to forget without the wins and losses, um, but really changed that university uh, for the better uh, over his five years. So definitely something to be very proud of. Yeah, no, I was I was in Waterloo actually this past on, on this past Friday, and like you know they have this beautiful hangar now with this indoor facility and like all these amenities, and it's just like you, you think like if you told this to someone ten years ago, like in ten years Waterloo will be just all these things, whatever, and it'd be like you know you're, you're talking out your ass, and it's like well, it's come and uh, it's uh, in large part due to to five. 
Um, so yeah, that's our top five, uh, fittingly so, from the CFL draft. Well, I suppose it's truly the offseason for not just players, but podcasters alike, because while me and Nate were getting into our talk on some of the things East-West related, my computer's disk drive ran out of space and couldn't keep recording. So anyways, we'll leave the episode at the CFL draft talk. Once again, hopefully our Instagram troubles get resolved in the near future so we can get our are we way top 100 going for the summer and some other things and obviously that's a massive part of what we do is on the social media side of things but thank you so much for listening um, if you have any thoughts on perhaps how we can resolve this trouble the customer service of the facebook instagram meta world whatever has been anything but providing customer service so we're very much uh we're down to uh, praying and all kinds of other things that uh well Let's just say we're very concerned. So anyhow, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time at the 55.